I know now what I want to say in my intro for my podcast. I'm going to start with a warning to other creatives. Create like it's your last podcast, last graphic, last painting, last blog post. There's so many forces out there that want us to be bland, and that is not possible with this fro. I have too many thoughts about celebrating us, reading what I want to read, pointing out donkeys, what links us together and shouldn't tear us apart. I also give you bonus content through Ten Fro's Bar on my Patreon and if you become a melanated nerd. I also will share content about getting the real tea on reality TV. Join me in this episode of Tim Froh is reading for the wild ride. And thank you for listening. So I'm chugging along on my podcast and I've come to the realization that I want to do more and do something different. And the pressure of producing an indie podcast has come to a head where I'm on the end of this season. I plan on coming back strong in 2024, but I have done a lot to promote the podcast um to get noticed without a lot of without a not a lot of uh engagement uh from advertisers etc i'm finding out that people will allow you to post and do things for free and if they don't have to pay for it they'll give you a thumbs up but when you start talking about payment for consistency or for your trouble, they don't want to engage. I've worked really hard to get the podcast to where it is. Um, I'm just a little under 300,000, which is great, but I really wish I had that type of audience where I had that type of uh, involvement per episode. There are other podcasts that I don't want to, I'm not going to name because again, I'm not doing free promotion for anybody, but they got the sponsorship, but they also have the audience. The audience, even though they don't have to pay for the podcast, it is obvious that these people are being paid for shade or to do these podcasts. They have their own following and that's great. I guess I've entered in to this space late and kind of backwards, but I'm grateful that I had the chance to do these things. The, you know, the ratings don't lie. The, uh, Comments, commentary is encouraging, but I'm going to take time and my money to do other things. I've paid a grip for marketing and it hasn't paid off yet. Maybe by the fourth episode, I'll have some additions. But as of now, this is one of four before I end the season, only to come back a new with new plants in 2024. Butterfly in the sky, I can go twice as high. Take a look, it's in a book, a reading tin It's in a book, a 
a reading tin pro. A reading tin pro. So down the rabbit hole I go in another episode or segment, Woke History. Finding out interesting things. So the Met almost, almost had me on, started me getting excited about increasing my mobility. As I've said previously, I think I've said this previously, I have really bad knees. And when I say I have bad knees, I have horrible arthritis in both of my knees. And I'm probably a few, just a few years away from having double knee replacement, unless something changes. Anywho, I'm talking about no cartilage. I'm talking about bone spurs. I'm talking about bone on bone. There is nothing arthroscopically that can help this shit. I just got to roll with it. With that said, I, even in spite of that, am, I'm serious about getting uh, another steroid injection because it actually helped. I don't know if the Marcane helped more than anything, but just the likelihood of being able to walk around and for more than a distance of a quarter of a block without pain, I'm with it. But I'm thinking about traveling again. Of course, I have to do first class, so I'm glad I got disposable income, but I ain't going to have no disposable income. I keep spending on this podcast, but anywho, I wanted to go see, what's this child's name? Eileen Perez in Florencia in El Amazonas, the Met's first Spanish language opera in nearly a century. She's supposed to be there in November. You know, it would be kind of dope being back in New York for Thanksgiving. The last time I actually left my state outside of going back and forth to Virginia was in November of 2019, right before the Panorama Pro-V, hung out with my cousin in her Brooklyn apartment during the during Thanksgiving, went to see a movie. It was just a really dope time. And this opera got me thinking about going back or just traveling in general. I mean, to the point of maybe even taking a trip, a girl's trip or something to Vegas, you know, and wanting to get not only my neat pain, but also my weight, which I think both of those go hand in hand under control so I can become more mobile. It's just dope thinking about that. But then I went down the rabbit hole. I was like, so my house and the Met having had, were built about roughly about the same time because it's on record that my house was probably built in 1925, but it's probably older than that because there was a big fire downtown and all the records and building plans and stuff were actually destroyed. But there's evidence in the house itself that my house was actually probably built somewhere between 1918 and 1920. So that's the last time the Met actually had a Spanish opera. I mean, I guess the language of opera has been German and Russian or your other European languages and not people of color. So besides Leotine Price and Marion um, Anderson, who are other, are other list of persons of color that sang at the Met. And this is, you know, during a time they've had, the Metropolitan Opera was started 140 years ago uh, in 1883 when that opera house uh, was actually started. So it has 
it's history is 140 years old. And you mean only in its 104-year history, it's only had two, two Spanish-speaking operas? They just, they just literally stopped using blackface in the 2022. And that, and then, and then Sydney isn't any better. They got 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 last. Yes, it was last year by having um you, somebody probably they said yellow face. That that means they had somebody that was uh probably imitating or an Asian of Asian descent. But you right down in the Pacific Rim. You mean to tell me you don't have nobody that sings that well? in the Pacific Rim that couldn't did that part, really? So this is a list of the greatest opera singers. I don't know if they all sung at the Met, but I'm going to give them their props. Marian Anderson, of course, is number one. And she got kicked out of the, you know, she they wouldn't let her sing Constitutional Hall, so she went to the Lincoln Memorial, which I think is rich, because he would have never thought that she was equal to a white woman. So, but anyways, Leotan Price, she was born in Laurel. I knew she was born in Laurel because they actually showed the her uh, monument on um, the renovation show from the same area. Oh, I didn't know George. Who is George Surly? Virgin Tudor Amor. I ain't mad at you. I didn't even know who that was. Tenant Wayne State, music education, was in the U U.S. Army Corps. Dope. How dope. Simon Estes. Morris Robinson. Wow. Born in Atlanta, of course, in 69. He's the same age as my sister. Lawrence Brownlee. He born in 72 in Youngstown, Ohio. He is a bell canto, uh, bell canto. Wow. Camilla Williams. Oh, I had no idea. These people. Pretty Yindi, of course. South African soprano. She's actually born in, of course, South Africa in 83. Janai Brugger from Chicago, also born in 83. Angel Blue, she is the actual one that called out the Met for still using blackface this late in the 21st century and said it was just racist. And it is. Who does that? So they basically had to drop using blackface in Othello. When you got all of these wonderful artists that are actually black and you don't have to use blackface. What is that? It's so dumb. John Holiday. He's a countertenor. Janai Bridges. I just saw her in something. And she got the Marian Anderson Award for her meso-soprano voice. That is just dope. And still, Sydney Opera as well as the Metropolitan Opera. Y'all need to be ashamed of yourself. Why are we still in the 21st century and y'all think it's okay to use makeup to represent the, another race when you got obviously talented voices that could actually portray those characters? That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. That's just like how... Kim Kardashian is seen as ethnic and exotic when she uses too dark foundation. When you got the beautiful Beyonce's and curvy girls that are more talented and more beautiful than her fake balloon ass is. Just saying, just saying. The analogy is very similar and both of y'all need to be ashamed of yourself. There are talented people rep representing the race that you want to represent. You don't have to use makeup because of his racist connotations. So stop it. Take off the black face, Matt. You can do better. To my homegirl, Laquita J. Elmore, Najee. Lift every chair and swing till all them white folks scream. Thought y'all could run up on our black king. I'm glad the squad pulled.
get it to knock if you buck. May it resound loud as the rolling sea. Throw your hats high in the air until up comes with the chair. Swim the seas until our cousins come and they rescue me. Let this be a lesson to y'all. Remember the Montgomery brawl where white folks fucked around and they found out. So what to go on in black culture, black pop culture? You know, you have to be real careful and not to try to not go down um, the rabbit hole as far as the interwebs. Um, for example, um, I typed in uh, black culture trending and I got a bunch of stuff. Like, one, black Twitter doesn't exist since Jackass Boy bought it and changed it to X and now everybody doesn't know what to do with the for company formerly known as Twitter. That's what we're going to call it now because, but most black people have left and I guess have just uh, landed on Instagram. I don't know how much Threads has uh, picked up, but Facebook is for aunties, and I'm not, I'm an auntie, but I'm not on Facebook like that anymore. Um, but going to Instagram, there is a Black America web uh, that basically, it's like Black America web, Black news, both on Instagram that do all, that basically comments on everything that's trending on the internet. And this is breaking news. This just popped off about 15 hours ago. Uh, Irish Grinstead, 43 years old, from the group 702. She's actually passed away. Um, no one knows how. And let me see. I don't remember what 702, what they're mostly known for. Because, again, you can go down the rabbit hole. Is it where my girl's at? From the front to back. Yeah, that's them. They dropped that in 1999. I bet they were discovered by Lisa Left Eye. Front to back is feeling that. Put one hand up. Oh, that makes me so sad. My property, from front to back. Oh, I'm so sorry for her family. Rest in power, girl. Um, also, everybody is talking about Ashton Cooker and Mila Kunis basically wrote a letter of support from the rapist Danny Masterson. I think he was on that 70s show. And this is like how... Everybody wants to present this rapist with grace. Ashton Kutcher, who had to step down from his um, job, well, it's not really a job. He was basically on a child pedophile awareness group, and they made him step down because anybody that basically will support a rapist they don't want that kind of smoke representing their group. That's what you got to be careful who you cape for. And you can't cape for everybody. Also, I was flipping through 40 years of new edition. I'm 52. That means I started pasting all the stuff from right on on my wall when I was about 10 or 11. Man, I'm old. It was Nas's birthday. Um, check out, um, I think we're, it ended in last weekend or something, but New York Fashion Week. 
what is this dude's name? Uh, that showed Tory Lanez is due back in court. Chris Brown don't care what people think of him, but yeah, he does. He's worse than, what's that other light-skinned girl's name who basically talks and treats their fans like crap and don't care, and they still have millions of followers. So there it is. We got to see the lurks, the, who had the best lurks at the recent VMAs, hands down, uh, Megan Thee Stallion and um, Nicki Minaj, who seems just so ageless. I think the f performances were actually dope. You can navigate to probably YouTube to find the most of them. Of course, I was not awake to enjoy them. I haven't really been on the internet like that to watch the clips. Uh, but maybe in next episode, I'll actually um, do that on my next episode. Also, ooh, Sergio Brown missing. Sergio Brown missing, mother found dead near Creek behind her home in Chicago. Uh, okay. Did he kill her? What is this? This is like you some crazy stuff. Murder after one of two people who went missing Saturday was discovered dead. They began searching for her and Sergio after family members notified authorities that they could not locate or get in touch with either one of them. He ended his career, still under investigation. Wow. When you go looking for stuff on the interwebs, you be finding some crazy stuff. So you gotta be careful to guard your mind as far as it relates to Just in general, um, things will get you, you get caught up and you start clicking on stuff. You're like, what the hell is this? In other black news, there is uh, black culture news. <laughs> they say, I'm going to tell my grandkids that this was high school musical. These kids were getting it at the school. And also, I'm going to start um, by downloading... The Black History Unlocked. It's a PDF that has been created um, that you can actually click on and get the full history of what, how it really is to be African American, African American in this country. Let me see. They only charge like twelve dollars for it. How long is it? Because I. It's 17 pages. I'm actually going to go ahead and buy this and I'm going to start just interesting things because I do a woke history segment and I think everybody need to basically navigate to black history facts. Um, Blackhistoryunlocked.gumroad.com. Get your 12, pony up to $12 to get this attention grabbing information. You'll be fascinated by it. Or I'll buy it and y'all could just wait until next week when I start posting about it. So just so you know. Oh, what else? Oh, and Nellie is back with the Shanti. They she had a her one of her handbag was wrapped with the picture of both of them. I don't know who needed to know that. I knew that they had a once toxic relationship. They had Long term, then they broke up. I only know as much as they that was at in the gossip channel. So I don't know those people. I'm hope, hopefully they're happy. Both of them are full grown now, and I'm hopeful they will not make the same mistakes as previously because you break up with people for a reason and you get back together. And how long is it going to take you to get away from them when you find out the issues that broke you up in the first place that person still has? And what, how long is it going to take you to break up the second time? I always think that you actually you got more to lose when you break up with somebody you dated earlier, especially if you've matured and got and you've worked really hard and, and stacked your paper. And then they come with the same BS from a decade ago. Girl, 
I hope she has learned her learned her lesson. All of his red flags, if he's still demonstrating them, she gets away from his ass and vice versa. And they just keep it pushing. Nobody needs this drama at our old age. Just saying. What else? What else? What else? Talked about the demise of black Twitter and everything else in black culture that is tripping me out today. And that about that about wraps it up. Another day of walking and talking and living by black. Oh, last but not least, they trying to throw Uncle Joe out the White House. Kamala may actually have to become president. Um, and the hoteps are going to get anyways what they didn't want. A, prosec- a black woman prosecutor as president. <laughs> and I'm here for it. So Jan Winner, formerly of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame board, formerly and founder of Rolling Stone, said he excluded black and women artists because they weren't articulate enough. I can't understand why seemingly sane people would think it's okay now to be racist or to reveal their racist tendencies. I guess I should put, I'm not shocked because we black folks created rock and roll. I mean, look at little, the little Richards and of the world and how they're just now getting their credit and why a white dude would think that we had nothing to say and why why would you say that? And why wouldn't they move to kick his ass out? It's not, if it's being woke, recognize racist tendencies. He just basically said he was a racist. You know, he said they weren't articulate enough. Oh, okay. Our creativity speaks through the music that actually help you create the magazine and give you the multi millions of dollars you probably made off of us but we weren't good enough to be there. Okay, good luck with that. And I hope cancel culture do what cancel culture does and you get not, and you get, well, he was the founder. He's made his millions. Who cares? Nobody knew about his loser ass until he basically made that statement. Now he's viral for being an idiot. Okay, as I've said before, uh, a supposed ally is only an ally until you catch them saying something stupid or they do something stupid. This is probably one of those indications. And everybody that has actually caped for this fool and worked for this fool for the years since the beginning of Rolling Stone, they probably knew it. He probably said some whack shit in the group chat or in a meeting, and people just let it go go past them. Um, what is this? What is this history? I'm gonna look him on Wikipedia him to see Jan. Wiener, <laughs> not Wiener, but Wiener, co-founder, owner, former owner of Men's Journal. He's a free speech, but they showed it, kick his ass out. 77 years old and still hasn't learned a damn thing. Still saying dumb shit. I guess when you're that old and you can, you say, why change now? But, you know, it's hard, it's hard to go out, be this late in the, in the game and Oh, he came out. Matt Nice, his partner. Oh, wow. Always been biased. Jewish, separate 95, then he came out. 
but his wife ended up still being VP of Winner Media. Three sons. And they got, had surrogate. He's, mm. And um, Leno Ono grant for peace. But he's still a freaking racist. Wow. Every indication, but he still has some of the dumbest views. I think, I don't think we've heard the last of it, but how can you, what can the culture do to get back at this 77-year-old ass? Probably not a whole bunch of nothing. At least we know what we get. He said it. People believe people for who they are and what they say and by their actions or inactions. Just saying. The Shade Bunch, the Shade Bunch. I hope turning up for checks to pay for fake lifestyles were to be a part of the Shady Bunch. Real Housewife Rundown. So, what in the kielbasa hell is going on or went on with Real Housewife of Atlanta? The reunion was probably the most boring reunion that I've ever watched. There was no resolution. They allowed Drew to sing the breakup song to Ralph while he was sitting there. I did not understand the fashion choices of anyone but Candy because her fit, that dress was actually nice on her, but she was so cinched and tight, she just didn't seem comfortable. And Sheree in that light blue waist trainer and her prancing around on stage like she was on crack. And the funniest thing was when... <laughs> Kenya Moore came at Marlo and said she looked like the broke Mrs. Roper. I thought I was going to die. That was the highlight of the whole reunion. I didn't understand Courtney's getup. I didn't understand why she and Marlo. What was going on with that? They glossed over so many things. I didn't understand why. And I didn't really care what Scotch Bright. Scottly seemed like to be a nice gentleman, but we never saw him pass that first date on camera with her. And it wasn't like, given her previous history, it wasn't like he was in, that they were ever going to have anything more than being her fuck buddy. So I don't understand. I, and they didn't reveal any of that anyways. We didn't see how fast she lost all that weight, even on Ozempic. I just, I didn't get it. And I didn't understand Kenya, even though I love and adore Kenya more. And I know that was taped before her live interview with Carlos King, but she looked... I didn't understand her face. She looked swollen and her face was kind of misshapen. I don't know. I just didn't. The only person that she looked uncomfortable because that dress was tight. But the only person that looked halfway decent was Candy. And I completely agree with Carlos and other assessments of that show. It was just obvious to me that none of those women had a connection to each other. And it made everything seem to be forced and contrived. It was just obvious that they didn't have a deeper connection. I'm sitting here watching season seven of Real Housewife when it was at its peak 
when they could garner 2 million views per episode, they didn't even break seven, 800 viewers, complete single viewers for a reunion. They down to 16 episodes, a two-part reunion where we didn't know any or learn anything more from that previous boring season. It didn't wrap up. It was no explosions. We didn't have any buildup. I'm talking about season six blow up when Kenya, when Portia dragged Kenya, she said she was going to fuck her up, grabbed her hair, and dragged her across the stage, punched her in the head. When, when, um, um, long leg, daddy long leg, Cynthia kicked, but that was Lake Lanier. I'm just saying Lake Lanier has a, a way. Oh, that, that was next season. That's when Kim feels somebody else that shouldn't really be on the show. And she was up there for a whole year, but the next year when Kim, <laughs> we're talking about the classic Cynthia Bailey kicked Portia off of her, that kind of shit. You know, there was no reconciliation. There was no big reveals. Season nine, or was it 10? Because I think season nine was the last time that Carlos King was the producer. And Lion Phaedra tried to make it seem that she didn't make up that lie on candy because <clears throat> she had been gunning for candy. Every since season, it appears season seven, when Candy did not come to her rescue, when she had to, when this is Phaedra, had to rely on Nene's uh, sociopathic bipolar ass. I think that's where Candy had to... That's when Candy was, she was just like, what is going on? I thought we cool. You had already said all this stuff. But when she didn't portray being the doting and faithful friend on camera, that's when Phaedra went all Scorpio on her and had to get her back for not playing into her charade. And if she had just simply said that, it had been truthful, she, but it wouldn't have been what it was because she basically gave the torch, the line torch to Portia. Portia, Portia willingly, you know, carried it and they were willing to sell out candy because how dare you continue to blow up, get money, even with some setbacks. Because, you know, this is also the year where they had the mother's love that tour basically bottom. The, the bottom fell out of that tour because the promoter pulled the, pulled the wool, rug from under them. And they had to cancel it, which is sad. They went from a 26 city tour to two. And then they had to cancel the rest of it because the promoter overextended themselves. This is the kind of stuff that we as good fans live for. But none of this that happened. What has, the last two years has been so stupid. And I think Sonia Richards Ross, amazing athlete and commentator, but her connection and her presence on this show did not save this show. The presence of Sheree's ass Marlo's phoniness and Drew acting at every turn is what is killing this show. Real Housewives of New York. I was with them for a minute and then I saw Uba turn up on, what's her name, Erin Litchie for no reason over some damn glasses. And because they hit her phone, I'm like, y'all are in paradise, but y'all are arguing over some dumb shit. I'm finding it harder and harder to even get into it because they are also allowing that Jenna Lyons hoe to lie. And I don't 
by that any of them are friends. I don't see them hanging out, calling each other, texting each other outside of when they're filming. I don't buy the connection with these babes. <clears throat> and that makes the show highly, uh, almost unwatchable. The same thing with the OC, Real Housewives of uh, um, Orange County. And I'm not, and I'm definitely not seeing it in the Salt Lake City babes. Even with the excommunicated girl who actually has her own company. The family is packaging it. I don't know what she makes, but she has her own line. And she says she can't even afford a speedy bag. I don't know. I, and I don't understand with Meredith going off because, no, it's Lisa that lost her ring in the bathroom in Palm Springs, is it? And... I just can't believe because I looked up a ring that I actually got. I have a ring that's similar to the one that she says she lost. And with 60 G's, uh-uh. That ring is $80 at Italo.com. So she is tripping. I just can't see her getting all and the what's her name the black lady because the hotel which is like one of the Trixie Mattel's the drag queen's boutique hotel everything is in pink I'm still mad at Trixie for winning her year and her crazy makeup because I'm not a Trixie fan from Drag Race, I thought that she should have been eliminated. And if they had gone through instead, I think it was, was it Shantula? If they, if she hadn't, uh, if somebody had not had her back, she wouldn't have made it to the finals on Drag Race. And I'm still mad that she actually won her that season of I think it was all stars I'm still ticked off about that <clears throat> that's why I wasn't feeling that whole motel but also the whole everything just seems so forced and contrived and these collection of women don't seem to be friends there it seems to be no real connection between Meredith her cousin or any of the new women, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And it is so boring that I'm getting ready to grab my dog, pack up my RV, and march on BravoCon demanding that they are going to have to, the current production, I don't think, if I think if production would help these women to the that you don't get paid if not that I need something contrived, but I also need something real. And I think if they had gone make them go through the hoops of how Real Housewives was back in the day where you basically had to audition and you don't get to come on the show just because you show up. You have to have some real connection like they had back in the day. Because we, these um, contrived storylines, I'm tired of seeing people turn up for turn up's sake. That's why Courtney got on my nerves. That's why Marlo getting mad over some bullshit from two, three years ago doesn't make sense. And her having a peach doesn't make sense. The bitch has never been married and she don't have any kids. I would love to see her basically seeing her going through and reinventing herself more of her with her um, life coach or being in therapy because she needs that and how she is adjusting to even having her nephews more on that 
you know, and how she's adjusting and some of the realness that can actually have how to have when you have black teenagers. That would have been dope. But you trying to beat up a storyline on some shit from two years ago. And it's really difficult because now I'm rewatching previous seasons and I'm more in tune to this season from years ago. I'm back to watching season seven. I just watched season five of Real Housewives when Kenya and Portia first came on. Just watching how young Portia looked, how thin she was, and there was no way that her and Cordell was ever going to make it. This was uh, Portia. And what did she think? She was smart enough and intelligent enough to basically hold her marriage together because I think they were on the outs when she got on that show. So I say all of these things to say that I'm in the midst of writing, getting ready to really write and lean into uh, Felicia and Ethel take BravoCon or the old ladies march on BravoCon because I think that will be a funny kind of rom-com or comedy um, because BravoCon is actually coming up um, in November of 2023. I may actually go just to check it out, but I really don't, the current Bravo stars, I'm not interested in any of these hoes because I don't like any of the people that are left on Potomac Giselle Bryant is the face of Potomac, but she really is not going to give you anything that she really wants to. I don't want to see Robin Dixon's line as if she's not going to, if they're going to talk about it on the show and you have to pay Patreon to get the real tea, they just paid your ass on um, Potomac and you played in our faces for a whole season. I watched y'all back Mia when y'all refuse to see it through with, um, what's her name? Samuels, Monique Samuels. And I've basically come the dark skinned women of Bravo. I would love to see a reality show. Monique Samuels, Portia, and these are just some stunningly beautiful women, even Kenya. You know, Bravo or Real Housewife through the ages and really what it takes to be a, a, a Bravo and following them in the, their real lives. You know, uh, this is what they didn't film, but it would have been cool to film because we could have started that storyline. That's just too much chocolate to ask for. But that would be pretty much a dope show. Or would Monique Samuel, now that her and Chris are divorcing, would she be willing to be a cast member on Real Housewives of Atlanta? Would she relocate down here? Because her mom also looks young. She's, she reminds me a lot of Sonya Richards Ross's mom because she looks young and she's just go- stunningly gorgeous. But what if she were to, we would follow her storyline, rebuilding her life after she divorces Chris Samuel. And now that Kenya, I'm hoping she's going to finalize her divorce in the next year um, and bringing Portia back into that set up, having to restart over after her divorce being cheated on by Dennis and that little girl. And now she's with uh, Simon, but there's some red flags that he may be one of those Nigerian princes. He may not be as rich as he thinks he is. For all we know, if they bring her back, they may be divorcing. And also, I don't know, Cynthia Bailey, she comes off as really vapid and kind of stupid. But she wouldn't make sense without Kenya and and if they could bring back Nini and if Nini, Nini was really into it and she really wanted to be there and if she's really in a good place to do the work for 24 episodes, 
that would be a blockbuster show. And I would watch that. But anybody talk to her since all this stuff is uh, surfacing about uh, her and Chris Samuels? I would like to see Monique Samuels back on Real Housewives. I mean, we saw Portia get into two fights with other castmates, two different castmates. And then she dragged Jamie in the the, uh, alley and she still was on the show. You mean to tell me y'all couldn't get her Monique Samuels the help that she needed to get her back on the Real Housewives? Girl, bye. It's because of that overreaction of Giselle Bryant and that old line ass Robin Dixon when they supported uh, uh, Mia line ass uh, the next year when she threw the purse. Girl, bye. I would rather see the real and I would rather see Monique with that, the cast down in real in Atlanta versus the BS in Potomac. Because if they come back with the boring, contrived bullshit that they did last year with Chris and that and um, Muppet Girl, I'm not going to be able to watch that either. And I'm going to definitely have to storm BravoCon with that BS. And that's it for this episode of Tenfro is Reading. You know, I talked cash-ish all last year. I hope the listening audience will continue to enjoy my opinion and not so subtle shade. I mean, I'm 2,000 listeners per episode in, so go run tell that haters. I may take it on the road if I get hint hint sponsorship. Navigate to dalesangelsinc.blog for swag and extended podcast notes. Don't forget to hit like or leave a five-star review. It gets me on top of the algorithms and it may just get you on my show. 2023's motto is boss up and get the bag. And as always, tell a friend and thank you for listening.